evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 505 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, uh, for August 12th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, TCL is bringing back Palm. Discord is selling indie games, and Spotify makes a big partnership with Samsung. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be uh, through any of our live stream platforms, including uh, Livestream.com, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope, Mixer, or Twitch, uh, through syndication on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcatchers available on all of those platforms, uh, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or wherever, and of course on our apps, plunketslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is by joining us live on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern-ish. Uh, Sometimes we have some technical issues. Um, like we had this evening. We started a little late, but that is okay. Uh, we go for about an hour, and we will talk about the news of the week, gadgets, gaming, internet, and media. Um, the nice thing about joining us live is that you can chat with us in the studio while we're discussing the topics and give us your feedback on the topics as we discuss them. Uh, Mixer, uh, Twitch, and YouTube are the best places to comment for us to uh, see them because... They're the ones that let us see them easily in the studio. Uh, if you can't join us live, that is okay. You can also uh, subscribe and uh, on all of those platforms I mentioned before and uh, listen at your own convenience. Uh, not a problem. And, of course, uh, if you go to plunketslive.com slash subscribe, you will see F5 Live and the Pilch Point, which will be on in a little bit, uh, as well as our special events, our first look series, and a number of other shows as well. And with that, I think that's it. Avram. How have you been this week? Uh, all right, not too bad. Just a lot of stuff going on. Um, but uh, you know, cool, uh, cool stuff at the at the office. Uh, a lot working on lots of stories that people will see coming up on Tom's Hardware this week. Um, so stay tuned. Well, that's good. Um, we've obviously we've been doing some interesting stuff as well if you've been following us you've probably seen a whole bunch of a uh, of new content getting published and um we've got some special events coming up uh we might be at nasa for the uh first tech challenge kickoff event which could be a lot of fun over at the kennedy space center so i'm really excited about that uh got some interesting stuff coming up oh yay and the Show is finally loading here in the studio. Uh, like I mentioned a little a few minutes ago, uh, technical issues <laughs> has been the uh, the theme of this evening. Uh, Avram's screen over here keeps turning off, so if you see what looks like the room get darker, uh, that's why. So just it's no big deal. We're gonna just keep chugging along. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I guess. With that, if I can figure out how to do it with this system failing this evening, how about we uh, get to some news?
This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for back, back to school supplies like the, uh, the new Surface Go or um, a Surface Pro, a Surface Laptop, or you're looking for some entertainment stuff, an Xbox One S or a One X, uh, maybe a new gaming laptop, or um, you're looking for um, a HoloLens or Mixed Reality or a number of other products, including the, uh, the Samsung Galaxy S9 and uh, a whole wide variety of accessories and products for uh, back to school for uh, students, uh, small businesses, and developers. You can find it all by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Alright, so, um, I think we all know, especially coming out of this week, uh, that big phones kind of own the market, and uh, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Android or iOS or even uh, even the last batch of uh, Windows Mobile devices are all big screen devices. Now, if you go back to the beginning of the consumer smartphone era, uh, it was very different. The original iPhone had a three and a half inch screen. The original Android phone, uh, the HTC Dream, which was known as the T-Mobile G1 in the US, had a 3.2 inch screen. Um, and then you compare that to today with the iPhone X, which is a 5.8 inch. And the uh, Note, the Samsung Note 9, which was just announced this week, with a 6.4-inch screen, that's almost, uh, that is exactly double the original Android phone. And the iPhone has nearly doubled in size as well. Uh, there's been a, a huge swing to large screen phones, which I think we all remember when the first uh, Galaxy Note launched. People were like, that thing's too big, that'll never succeed. Uh, so... There's definitely been a swing toward people wanting bigger phones, but with any trend, there is a pendulum, uh, and there are people who don't want a giant phone, whether it be because you have small hands and holding a big phone is uncomfortable, or uh, pants pockets are too small, especially on, uh, on like girls' and women's jeans and stuff pockets are almost worthless so maybe a small phone is what you're looking for um, the company that seems to have become the master of niche uh, markets for smartphones TCL uh, is rumored to be working on a new phone that will fill that need uh, we know that TCL uh, has licensed the Blackberry name and has come out with a number of uh, surprisingly successful Android phones with physical keyboards uh, and so now they want to fill this uh, small screen niche as well. And um, they're going to do it under the Palm brand. Yes, the Palm brand, which was already killed off once in the world's weirdest collection of business decisions. Um, but uh, TCL owns the brand name. They bought it, assumedly, from HP. And... Uh, intend to bring out a new phone whose name fits with the uh, 
the the rest of the the more modern uh, palm phone names. It's the Pepito, P-E-P-I-T-O, which is just as weird as the Pixie or the Pre or the whatever the little one was. The Vive? No, I don't remember. Don't remember what the third one was. Uh, but it kind of fits into that naming scheme. And it is rumored to be a 3.3 inch screen. It'll ship with Android Oreo 8.1. So sorry, no WebOS. I know, I'm disappointed too. Um, three gigs of RAM, which is for you know a, a small profile phone. That's a surprising amount of RAM. Uh, 32 gigs of storage and is intent expected to be a Verizon wireless exclusive in the US which is an interesting pairing what do you think Abram small phone have a chance uh, um, I guess there's somebody who wants it but uh, unless it's super cheap I don't and then eh, I'm gonna say it's probably not gonna have a chance but people like me and you will be very interested in it for sure, as as sitting here next to me, I have some examples of different phones. <laughs> I have an iPhone X here next to me and a Palm Pre. And you, if you're if you're watching the video, you can see the ridiculous difference in screen size between the two. Um, now, I loved my Pre's, but a lot of it had to do with the physical keyboard. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the operating system, neither one of which I will be getting if the uh, the rumors about this device are true. Then yeah, what's the point? I mean, it's sort of like, uh, I mean, there are people who still like the Android Blackberries because they've made the effort to make them look and feel like a Blackberry. Uh-huh. But um, they're using the, they're using the iconic Blackberry keyboard and things like that. And they've got the security behind them, which is the thing that BlackBerry was really known for. But no trackball. Right. That's true. And no, and no side, side wheel. The side wheel was my favorite BlackBerry thing. Me I too. think it all went downhill when the side wheel went away. I, like, th- I think you're right. The side wheel was everything. So, you know, all I can say is BlackBerry, you'd still be on top today if you hadn't ditched the side wheel. Uh, and definitely, if you hadn't gone to the uh, weird micro trackpad, the ball yes. was bad enough, but that micro trackpad in the middle never worked. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, I wish them all the luck because it's fun to have different types of devices on the market. Sure. Um, I think I think there's, there's a chance for it because there's, like... I, I definitely hear people complain, not as often as we did five or six years ago as the trend was, you know, really getting underway, but I definitely hear people complain about a phone being too big to put here or there. And, you know, with a, theoretically, if it wasn't Verizon, if it was, or maybe with Verizon, depending on what they do, because uh, some phones, the whole sim card switch is bizarre on verizon but um you know if you've got a sim card and you can just swap it you know maybe it's a a real good going out phone you know what i mean um when you don't have space for a big phone you don't need all of your everything you'd have that that capability maybe that's 
you know, maybe that's the niche that it could work in. But I definitely hear people complain about not being able to hold it. Um, it's it's like uh, my my business partner in the other company, Mark, loves the Galaxy S8 Plus that he has because it's way thinner, uh, left, right, not depth, um, than the HP that we had. Um, so, you know, physical size plays a huge, huge role for different people in the way they hold stuff and things like that. So. Yeah, I, I agree that the newer uh, galaxies, like my S8, are easier to hold than some of the other ones because even though they're longer, they're thinner. Uh-huh. But I ran into another problem, which is why I didn't get the Plus, which is that at a certain point, I mean, it depends on obviously where you want to put, where you want to carry it. Uh-huh. I like to carry it in my front pocket, and it was actually so long it was like sticking out of my pocket, and I was just kind of worried it was going to fall out. Yep. So I didn't get the the I didn't get the uh, the eight Plus for that reason. So I can see that like, you know, at a certain point, there's a diminishing return to having a bigger phone. Sure. And I don't know, know that three inches is that point though. It it's not for me because and for those of you who have been longtime fans of the show, you know that that the original hosts were all big Palm fans. Uh, but sitting here now with what was the largest of the family, the pre three, which never actually hit the market. Um, just happened to have a friend at HP. Um, the, this phone is almost comically small. <laughs> when I look at it today, it was insanely big at the time. You know, you had the, the there was the, the uber small push at kind of that same time. And there was the Pentax C1 or whatever, which was like, an inch and a half big or something like that. You know, there there was like the, the comically small, but now this feels comically small. Uh, and I don't know that I could live on this device today <laughs> as much as I'd like to. So, yeah, it, this may not be the, the space, but who knows? Um, you know, BlackBerry, the BlackBerry... Android phones aren't for everybody, it's, and it's not what TCL was hoping for. Maybe they only need to sell a certain number of devices to be able to justify it, and maybe they've proven that market. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. We'll have to see. I'm definitely sad that the uh, the Palm logo is not the actual Palm logo, though. The, the render that I saw had it as like a square, P-A, and then the next line was L-M, which... Why would you bring back a brand just to not use the logo? <laughs> Whatever. I guess you and I don't have control over that stuff. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're looking to uh, to buy parts to build a new computer or fix an old one or bring new life to an existing uh, laptop or desktop, Newegg has all of the parts to make that possible from power supplies and cases to hard drives, monitors, 
mother porridge processors, all of that. And uh, they oftentimes run really great deals, uh, including uh, daily deals. We've got uh, some graphic graphics cards uh, on, on special right now. And uh, Assassin's Creed Origin looks like it's coming as a deal with a, with a video card. Uh, you can find those deals and a whole lot more from Newegg by going to approachpoint.live slash Newegg. So, in addition to PC components, you can also sometimes find other stuff, robot components and things like that on Newegg, which uh, I know Avram has been really excited about lately. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, for the, I mean, uh, if I didn't uh, have, if I didn't have a, a child, I would probably still really enjoy uh, building robots and things like that. I mean, it's it's fun for everybody, but uh, for those parents in the audience, I just want to offer a little bit of advice. My son is six, and since he was about, since he was very young, much younger than than this we've been doing all kinds of projects together and certainly the last couple of years that we've been doing robot projects together he's he's gotten really pretty good at it uh to the point of you know to the point where he and i are doing like arduino projects together you know light doing circuits together that do like light sensors and things like that uh so you know it's um it's pretty. It's pretty cool to be able to do that kind of thing uh, with with your child. It's cool for it's cool for you, and it's good for them to to learn. So some of the things that I've learned, I wrote an article about this that's on Tom'sHardware.com right now. Uh, are you know there's a few things to keep in mind when trying to sort of share your love of technology with your kids and help turn them into you know young young techies. Uh, the first and most important piece of advice is don't underestimate. You might think that something is above your kid's head and like, oh man, I, I just, I can't do this project with them or I got to do it, everything for them or when I'm taught or very importantly, when you're talking about it, you think you got to dumb it down. Don't do that. Um, you know, I always, whatever my son asks me for about tech stuff, I will tell him straight up what I'm doing and if I, even if he doesn't get it right away, it's surprising how much he does later seem to get. You know, like when he was four years old, we were talking about, you know, he couldn't get an app on his tablet, and, on his Fire tablet, because it wasn't in the Amazon store at that time. And so I side, tried to sideload it, and I had to explain what sideloading was to him. And for the next few weeks every time he'd run into somebody who had a phone he'd be like do you have the google store he'd say yes he's like okay well you should download this app but if you don't have the google store you could always sideload it um so you know now he knows all about like the difference between dc motors and servo motors and step stepper motors and about negative and positive wires and things like that you know so even if there's stuff like that that's like you know, over his head at the time, I always tell him, yeah, this is what we're doing. Um, and it's surprising how much later he'll incorporate into something he says to really show you he actually knows what he was talking about. Um, 
one thing that I do notice a lot with, uh, with him, and I think it's true with other kids too, is always better to work on a physical project that has some type of a physical element, like a robot or a circuit kit or something like that, uh, or even a light box that lights up or something, than to just do something that only lives on the screen. Like, like you know, for example, uh, there's a lot of programming apps out there to teach kids how to program, but they don't affect a real device, mm -hmm. a real moving robot or something. Anytime you can get something where the kids can actually see the result of what they're doing in the real world, like, oh, I programmed this and now the robot does this, um, I think that's a lot more effective uh, and appealing to them. You, you might also be surprised to know that kids can learn to program and learn a lot of these concepts even before they can learn to read. Um, Lego Boost is one of the best systems for this uh, because it, it has an app, or a programming app where the entire interface is icons and there's not one word in it. Uh, but even if the app has words in it, it's amazing how your kid can be a really good functional illiterate. Like like my son, he can na he can navigate menus and figure out what things program blocks mean from having used them before seeing someone else use them, even if he doesn't know how to read the word that's on them. Um, you know, uh, um, as a... Uh, you know, if you're trying to do something that's a little more fun and teach your kids something that you would enjoy, uh, using standard parts is always better than proprietary ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of cool robot kits out there that just work within themselves. Like, uh, he really likes the droid inventor kit from little bits, but little bit, you know, and that's great, but little bit stuff is not compatible with Legos or a lot of other stuff that you might have or want to use. It's nice unto itself. But what's really cool is when you can get something that is a standard like Arduino or Raspberry Pi uh, or Legos, which are standard not for tech but for building things, uh, and things that are compatible like that, and you can combine them so that, first of all, if you teach your kids something like Arduino or Raspberry Pi, that's adult stuff, so you're teaching them an adult skill. Um, and second of all, and, and hopefully teaching yourself if you don't know everything about them, uh, and that, and then, you know, you're really doing something that's transferable so you can get more and more and more sets that build on that level of knowledge. Um, the last thing I want to point out is if you're getting something that's app enabled and most things are in some way, if you're buying a robot kit or something, keep in mind what operating systems it works on. A lot of kids have the Amazon fire tablets which are great. They're the leading kids' tablets and, and in my opinion, are the best kids' tablets because they have great parental controls and great content and they're indestructible. Uh, but um, a lot of uh, companies that make robot kits uh, don't make apps that don't put the apps in the Fire Store and the Amazon Store, and therefore you can't use their tablet for it. So that's something to be wary of, uh, to be wary of as you're, um, as you're programming. Of course, other things that are a little bit more adult, you may really want to, want or need a PC. Uh, I mean, you can attempt to program Arduino on on a Android device, uh, but it doesn't really, I don't think it really works very well. Um, you know, you can attempt to program a Raspberry Pi thing, I guess, remotely, but like, you know, you, there's there's things that you're going to need, you know, keyboard and mouse to do. Uh, depending on what the project is. So 
those are my those are my quick tips. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, learn more, uh, check out my article on Tom'sHardware.com about how to uh, tips to turn your kid into a uh, code wielding robot builder. Uh, and uh, good luck, everybody. I can I can uh, attest to the uh, the interacting with physical things. Uh, you know, doing uh, doing all the robotics stuff with first, you know, being able to, to do something and then see it have an impact in reality really is special. You know, it's when it's all virtual, it's not quite the same. You don't get that. Ooh, <laughs> that you get when you, know you see a physical thing move or whatever. I'm much older than six years old, and I still appreciate the benefit of like, uh -huh. oh, I programmed this thing on the Arduino board, and it made a light light up or a motor move. Like, wow, that really did something. Absolutely. We uh, we reviewed a, a thing a couple years ago now, uh, M-Cookie, which was Arduino-based, but all like magnetic connectors for the primary pieces, which was a really cool uh, really cool product. Um, but you know, it was a group of, I think the youngest person in the room when we were doing it was 15. And then, uh, the oldest was in their forties and, uh, all of us, uh, honest to God, all we did was got a, uh, um, uh, a button on our phone to change the color of a light on the thing that like, that was, that was literally all that, <laughs> All that it did, and it took a group of us a little while to get it going, and we were all so excited when it happened. We couldn't, like, we're all like, woohoo! <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Even, even, you know, well older than six can get really excited just seeing a light light up or something like that, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like those things that snap together like that for you. They're a good step, mm -hmm. but I'm personally preferring to try and figure out what we can do with more sort of standardized stuff like a breadboard or mm -hmm. or figuring out how to solder stuff onto a PCB or whatever because that's what that's what the big big people use right you now that's what real makers use you know you're not going to have a magnetic thing when you go and try and build your own robot or whatever so um, you know my son has learned all about breadboards now that's awesome. Although he still gets a little confused about like the difference between the rows and the columns on the breadboard and where you have to plug what into what. So I got to on him very closely, but uh, you know, yeah. So I think it's uh, I think it's cool. Like today, he and I were talking about a proto shield for our Arduino. He's <laughs> like, yeah. So we had the proto shield on that one, and so anyway. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Abram, so, as always, we I, I always appreciate these topics, especially when we talk about uh, teaching with uh, yeah. with technology. So uh, thank you for that. And you said uh, there's an article on Tom's Hardware. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Absolutely. When I clean out this area behind me, which I really need to do, he's I have to start soldering something because my son made a request. He was like, when are you going to solder this? Solder this. Like we have another kit uh -huh. that we, that we got called the maker Buino. 
which is a, a, a device you have to like solder and do all kinds of things to build. It's Arduino based, but the board is custom and it's a little handheld game system that you build yourself basically. And, and um, he's like, you got to make the maker. We know said, well, I have to solder it and I have to clear some space near the window. Cause I don't want the fumes to get anywhere. And it's like, well, clean up, do it. You got to do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, he wants me to he wants me to start soldering now yeah i i think i think we knew that it was gonna get there at some point <laughs> yeah that's okay i mean you know i i have to admit in all honesty i'm learning as much as he is because i i w- i'm not a super expert at all of these things which is why it's so fun for me um you know he learns something and i learn something else so um, so it's fun for the whole family is what I'm saying. It, it sure is. Well, uh, thanks for talking about this and, uh, everybody should go check out what, uh, what Avram has on Tom's hardware.com. week's extra life on f5 live is proudly powered by razor uh all the accessories that you need to up your game whether it be on pc or console is available from razor you can get a great keyboard mouse a giant gaming mouse pad uh controllers for your pc or your uh your xbox playstation uh, even uh, webcams with the uh, chroma key feature built in, which is actually a really cool feature. Um, all of that and more are available uh, with deals running right now. Uh, at least during the weekend, they're giving up to $500 off the uh, Razer Blade Stealth 13, depending on your configuration, and a number of other deals that change daily. Available by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. All right, so, um, in game, in gaming news this week, um, we had a kind of an interesting announcement a couple of weeks ago. In fact, almost exactly a month ago, uh, Valve launched a chat client into Steam for all users called, ironically, I guess not ironically, uh, boringly, Steam Chat. Uh, which was designed to take aim at the the top chat system for gamers, which is Discord. In fact, the uh, client appears to be an almost exact clone of Discord. This week, Discord decided to strike back, and uh, they have launched a game store inside of their client. Now, unlike uh, Steam, which is basically the go-to place for games on PC, Mac, Linux. Um, Discord's game store is going to be more uh, nuanced. Rather than being Walmart, they want to be your neighborhood store. Um, 
I know Avram and I can think back to the mom and pop movie stores where you could go and rent a movie. And one of the things that I remember uh, distinctly about those kinds of places is that the employees would have like a, a little thing where this is, this is John's favorite movie right now. That is the kind of thing that Discord is going for here, is that kind of feeling. Not necessarily uh, featuring John's favorite game, but uh, definitely having a very curated, interestingly, with staff recommendations, um, but not quite the same that we remember from the movie stores of the past. Uh, but having recommendations and things like that, uh, in fact, according to the company, they said, um, we'll be showcasing a variety of titles that we think you'll like. As the store go- grows, we'll rely on our community and our team to make the store feel super personal and and focused on games that we genuinely think you'll enjoy. Which, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how um, Valve was adding some new stuff to to steam to make it uh like to make discovery better uh on games and that's kind of where um where discord wants to start uh like that's that's the thing they don't want to start big and then figure out discovery they want to start with discovery and go from there which i think is a pretty great idea what do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think anything to make it more more personal and personable is is good. Uh, I mean, I don't think they've got a lot of. Um, I think Steam is such a popular platform. I don't think they're going to take much from Steam, but good good luck to them. You know. You know, if they're focusing, they're they're not focusing on the triple A's, so there's no overlap there. They're looking for indies, and they even want to to help some indie developers um, get funding and stuff like that, which I think is a really great idea. Um, so they'll be like a powered by Discord. I don't remember what they call call it officially, but like a powered by Discord or brought to you by Discord kind of kind of thing uh, as well. So. There'll definitely be exclusive indie titles, which I think will help drive it. But I really think the uh, obviously both of them, both companies are in the same boat against each other, right? They're they're both trying to encroach on the other one's territory. But whereas Steam tried to go whole hog and just steal Discord directly, um, I think uh, I think this whole niche focused thing is. It's the thing that'll set the Discord store apart. So what I don't understand is why why Slack doesn't come into this business. Is it I mean, I understand Slack doesn't do the level of conversation, but why why not try why isn't a company that does like conversation stuff trying to compete in this space? with basically gaming conversations from Discord and TeamSpeak? It's a fair question. Um, who knows? Maybe Slack decided who their 
that their market was business people and Discord decided that their business was gaming people and never the two shall meet. I don't know. I, I guess so. It's just annoying that there's you have to like to live in the world today. You have to have so many different chat clients over uh-huh. running all the time. Yeah, it's really, really annoying. You know, like, uh, you know, at my job right now, I have to have and, and, I, and I don't have discord running. I, I have to have for, to, for work. I have to have three different three or four different chat clients going. I have to have Skype because some people talk to me there. And I have to have Slack because there's a group of people that I talk to there. And I have to have Stride because right now our company is on Stride, although Slack bought Stride, so that may be a thing of the past soon. And uh, and also, don't forget Facebook Messenger. So, like, it's really annoying how many different messaging platforms there are. Uh-huh. I understand they're not all equally good at the same things, but... It's annoying to have to have all these programs running all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when you add, when you add in things like, like Basecamp and things like that behind it, when you're at the office, you know you've got eleven different things that are all dinging at you all day long. Uh, right. It's it's annoying. It's annoying. It's probably eating up system resources and bandwidth. Yeah. Like. I, I, you know, I love competition, but this is really annoying. Like, uh, so I don't know if somebody were to step up and find a way of uniting the worlds of the many different chat worlds into one, I think that would be a, a real, uh, really good. Yeah. Like, uh, Oh, what was, what was the old client that you could use? Uvu? No, not Uvu. What am I thinking? There were a few that used to do that with instant messaging, Trillion, but a, Oh, Trillion, right. Trillion was one of them that did that. Yeah. And then, of course, but then, you know, people catch on or the, you know, they don't, they're not officially supported. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't think you're going to, these companies don't want interoperability because they like keeping their list proprietary. Yeah. Huh. But, um, I don't know. There's got to be, there's got to be a better way. I don't know. I, I'm totally with you. I, uh, it is. I I now am in the same boat that you are. I now have way too many different chat things going. I have two different types of Skype, and Slack, and Basecamp, and Facebook Messenger. All oh, it's like no, no. Right, and and then then you get people saying you well. I did you get the thing I sent you? And I was like, well, where did you send it? Was it email? Oh. It could have been email too, right? Uh huh. Was it email? Was it Facebook? Was it Skype? Was it Slack? <laughs> Was it Skype where for business? For your, where should I look for your message? Uh-huh. Because it could be anywhere. I would just like to point out that did you get that thing I sent you immediately made me think of Harvey Birdman. So thank you for that. <laughs> when I'm all caught up on, on Venture Brothers, which is what I'm doing right now, which for those of you who have been paying attention, yes, this is the third week in a row I've been wearing a Venture Brothers shirt. Um, <laughs> uh as it came back last week. Um, once I'm all caught up again on Venture Brothers, I'm now going to have to go play through Harvey Birdman again. Thanks for that, Avery. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or... 
Let the professionals do it for you, because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters to Devil Girl from Mars. Seriously, I can't make these things up. They've got a little bit of everything. Um, the way it usually works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever it happens to live, and laugh. Uh, they also, from time to time, do some live events. The next one is uh, next week. Uh, I think Thursday, the 23rd. Yeah, it's next Thursday, uh, August 23rd. It will be Crawl with a... Um, with an encore presentation on Saturday for the first time ever. Um, and uh, the live events are so much fun. They're in theaters nationwide. Um, and to find the movies that are available in the theaters that you can see crawl in, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Uh, oh, crawl. I can't, I can't think of Kroll without thinking about Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Anyway, <laughs> it's the time travel episode. Whatever. Um, so this week, Facebook um, has uh, finally started to roll out some of the, the promised transparency uh, features for the platform. Um, they've also turned off some features, but that's a different issue. Um, Obviously, we know that uh, Facebook pages, there are some games that get played, right? Uh, the first is uh, hiding the true intention of the page. Another very clever thing that pages do is um, they'll merge. So you'll have two unrelated pages merge together, and now you're being presented with information that's very bizarre because it's not what you followed. Uh, and then, of course, there are the pages that abruptly change their intention, uh, maybe go from being a comedy page to being a very political page or something like that. And a lot of times the pages that make these turns uh, do so for nefarious reasons. And, um, you know, we know that that Mark Zuckerberg has been to to Washington several times over the last couple of months to answer questions uh, specifically relating to the weirdness that is the lack of transparency on Facebook. And so the first of these new features is starting to roll out. What is it? Well, starting with large pages uh, and likely eventually rolling to everybody, but starting with pages with a large following, which no, they did not define what that means, uh, Facebook will be requiring uh, any page uh, managers and above, I assume, uh, I don't know about lower, but certainly managers and above, to verify their accounts by doing a couple things. First, turning on two-factor authentication to uh, try and outsmart, you know, bots and things like that. Uh, but also, uh, they'll be required to verify their physical location. Now, how they're going to do this, I don't know. Uh, have not been asked to do it <laughs> because my uh, none of our pages are large enough to uh, justify it, apparently. Um, but they are going to verify physical location. Once that's done and the page is essentially reinstated to postability, um, new information will be added to the Facebook pages uh, that will be required uh, for the pages to continue. For example... 
large pages will be required to list the managers, which is its own special thing. Because, um, you know, I don't necessarily want my Facebook thing connected to any of the pages that we manage, not for nefarious reasons, but because I don't want people messaging me. <laughs> As we talked about in the last segment, there's enough enough messaging going on with people I know. I definitely don't want outsiders uh, annoying me. But um, they will be listed with their physical location. Not like you're at this address, but uh, the country in which um, you're administrating the page from. Um and then it will also start showing um, and may already be showing um, because I see it on our Facebook pages, um, at least the ones that I checked. Um, any page merges that have happened. So a timeline of name changes and page merges, as well as um, any ads that are currently or have been running from the page within a certain period of time. Uh, you can also request an ad history from pages, but that's been in place for a while now. Um, so that's a lot of big changes coming um, and all with the intention of trying to add some transparency to pages that may or may not be as legitimate as people may think. I mean, it's all a slow step forward. It's all a slow step forward to, to let people know where something is administrated. Um, you know, that's, that's good. Um, but, um, you know, you really, I mean, all these things, it's its all good to, to know that they're pr providing some legitimacy. I mean, because Twitter, for all its other faults, has, has that verified by Twitter thing that does kind of tell you that someone is who they say they are. Theoretically, I have I've read some tactics on getting verified if you're not. But yes, for the most part, that is true. And and, you know. Uh, some pages can be verified too, but whereas uh, Facebook only puts the little check mark um, when a uh, when, at their own discretion, they verify when they decide they want to. Uh, there's a process to ask Twitter to verify you. So yeah, I've heard it's not so easy though because we've asked before and not not been. Um... Um, not been accepted or whatever. I, so. I might have a friend to connect you with who, who uh, uh, told me some some uh, things to do to try and get myself verified because I was declined the first time. She said she was too. They oh, okay. They yeah. might just decline sometimes. It's possible. I mean, to be honest, I personally didn't even try it yet because my coworker Cherie said that she's trying and they, somehow she heard that we weren't big no one who worked for us was a big enough deal to get verified but i don't know that was like a couple of years ago so i'd like to try it again i i know a name significantly smaller than anybody at 
at any yeah, of the perch brands that maybe check maybe who maybe who you know it could be um but i mean you know with with facebook it's not that at all right you they ask you when they think it's time to verify you which is a very different process um you know so way less pages are verified on on facebook in in the way that they are on twitter um but you know if if you know that a page with a large following, again, I wish they would tell us what that meant uh, so that, you know, you and I as Facebook users will know whether a page has been forced through this process yet or not. Uh, but whatever, um, you know, the idea that there's two factor authentication, which certainly makes it more difficult for for uh, a nonsense account to to get in, maybe. Um, but then, you know, having to verify physical location, however that's going to work, is definitely going to cut down on nonsense accounts. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we'll see where a page is being administered from. If it's obviously this all has to do with U.S. political pages being administered from outside the country. Um, and. I'll I'll remind everybody that just because it's administered from Russia doesn't mean that anybody from Russia is involved in it. Um, but right. <laughs> the labor in Russia is cheap on a computer. Um, anyway, uh, just, you know, pages being administered from outside the country uh, for political reasons is the is the whole backbone behind this. Um, and so you know, you see that a page is being administered from Russia or India or China or korea or something you know you start questioning the the validity of it again i'd really like to know what the number is before they make you go through this you know is it a hundred thousand is it a quarter million is it a million what's a large page facebook please tell us i think without that information this thing this whole thing is way less useful because I don't know if the page has been through it, but whatever. It's it's definitely a step forward. Uh, without um, without them going down the censorship road, it allows them to maintain uh, content quality. No, nope. uh, data integrity. I guess is more of what it is. So you know, it's a it's an interesting step. Hopefully, in the right direction. We'll see with time. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic features. You know that you get free shipping, sometimes same day. Uh, but what you may not know is that there's a lot of other features you get as well. For example, Amazon Prime Video, which we uh, talk about during Rift Tracks every week. Um, included in your Prime subscription, you get tons of... Uh, TV and movies, some of the HBO back catalog, all kinds of content, um, including documentaries, all included as part of your subscription. And Amazon Prime Audio, or Amazon Prime Music, which is several million tracks available for free with no extra cost. Your selection is not quite the same as it is with, with Amazon Music, 
Um, but if you're a Prime subscriber, you also get a discount on that. And of course, Twitch Prime, which has become my favorite benefit of Amazon Prime. Um, you get a couple of things. The first is you get a free subscription on Twitch, which you can use uh, on any Twitch channel, including ours if you would like. And um, you also get free games every month. They rotate uh, similar, uh, from what I can tell, similar to how Xbox Live Games with Gold works. Um, some happen at the beginning of the month, some happen at the middle of the month, and they run for about 30 days. And once you own them, they are yours. I have been playing through my own personal catalog of uh, Twitch Prime games, so uh, definitely go check that out. If you're not a Prime subscriber, you can get a 30-day free trial to see if it's for you, and you can find links to all of these uh, benefits and more by going to f5live.tv prime. Speaking of streaming and streaming music, um, ever since coming to the United States a number of years ago, Spotify has really owned the streaming music, uh, market. We talked about it last week. Um, uh, Elijah in the chat room made mention of, you know, don't forget Pandora and <laughs> and I both went, Oh, I think we all did. Um, Spotify has really owned the market. Apple, uh, after buying and rebranding beats music has been trying and they have definitely taken the number two spot, uh, but they lag behind Spotify in both user count and in uh, audio count, uh, the number of tracks that are available. Uh, plus, of course, um, yeah, Spotify's uh, lack of a, of a lockdown into an ecosystem. As example of that, uh, they announced a big relationship actually it was the other way around a big relationship was announced with spotify at uh samsung's uh, press conference this week and uh samsung is bringing spotify directly into their ecosystem they have given up on trying to have their own second tier music streaming service no more milk music or whatever stupid name that was um they're not going to try they've already shut down three of them they're not going to try again they're bringing spotify in directly and uh, in a really big and uh, cool way, it will be available through all of their uh, connected devices, whether it be your phone or your television, you know, Samsung smart TVs are going to get it. Um, and the, uh, the new Bixby powered Galaxy home device. Um, anytime you interact with Bixby and ask for music stuff, Spotify will be the uh, the default that it goes to, which is obviously a, a, a big thing uh, for people who are in the Samsung ecosystem, who have the TV and the phone and the you know all the things. Um, getting direct access to Spotify is definitely going to push some spot what Spotify subscriptions. It's a hard pair of words to say. <laughs> um. So, you know, you speak to your phone, ask it to play music, Spotify is where it's going to play. Um, and since Spotify is a, an open platform, it means that, you know, you can transfer from your, your Samsung Android phone to your Windows 10 PC with just your voice by calling Cortana, who also defaults to Spotify. 
you can uh, use use that capability to push to Sonus speakers and you know all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think this is a, a big deal for a good deal for both companies and for users. What do you think, Abram? Obviously, Spotify is the big player in streaming, and it, as Microsoft learned, it doesn't make sense to try and do your own uh, imitation of Spotify. It's better for everybody, for Samsung, for certainly for consumers, that they can integrate Spotify into the other things that they're doing. Yeah. I, uh, having, ob- obviously, I'm a Microsoft person. I have a lot of Microsoft devices, including an Invoke. Um, you know, when, when all of those devices switched from Groove to Spotify, I... I loved my groove. Um, I liked the interface. I thought interacting with the actual music itself was way easier. But uh, the experience of being able to open the Spotify app on my iPhone and control what's being played on my Cortana-powered <laughs> Invoke <laughs> without having to jump through any hoops is awesome. You know? You ask the speaker to play a track. You hit the next button on the on the iPhone or the Android, and it skips to the next track. I mean, you know, that kind of unified thing is just way better than anything that a company like Microsoft, who's got way too much going on, is going to be able to bring to to reality on their own. And obviously, more than Samsung. Was going to be able to bring the reality on their own, having shut down three music streaming services on their own so far. So, I, I like it. I, I think it's, I think it's a good move for everybody. Uh, you have gone silent there, Abram. I can Oops, see. Sorry, sounds oh, reasonable to me. Uh, that that we have, you know, Samsung, Spotify is becoming. Well, it is the de facto standard when you see that Microsoft and now Samsung has sort of recognized Spotify as like this is the this is the place that we want to partner with. Um, you know, it doesn't say good things about all the other competitors uh, like Google, like Google Music. Indeed. Um, and, you know, if if Google could come up with a unified approach to music. They might, they might be able to put something together, but they can't decide what, which is the same thing that Samsung was going through, right? They had two competing music streaming services at the same time at one point. They had that idiotically named Milk Music and the other one that were both running side by side, and Google's got at least two, if not three, running side by side. If they, if they can get their... They're focused together. They might have a chance, but you know, Samsung wasn't going to. Microsoft, that's that just wasn't in their wheelhouse to keep that going. Um, you know, Apple seems to be doing okay, okay with it, but that's mostly because they bought a company that was already in place. <laughs> um, they didn't have to build all the infra- infrastructure and all of that stuff, and they already had the the relationships with the the publishers for iTunes. Yeah. I mean, 
it just it, this is the success of Spotify says good things about like if you build a better a better service it doesn't matter if companies have an advantage over you because mm-hmm. they can preload like Microsoft should have a natural advantage over Spotify because they could preload Groove Groove onto Windows sure and and make it part of their platform Samsung should have a natural advantage over Spotify because Samsung makes all these phones and can preload its stuff onto the phones. Uh-huh. Google should have an advantage just because it's got all these other services that people use all the time. Sure. Uh, but Spotify has managed to succeed despite not having that type of an in right. uh, onto somebody else's platform. So that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, since they since they came here, they've... Yeah, they inspired an industry and then uh, owned that industry. <laughs> we saw a huge influx of music streaming services, whether it be um, Pandora was already here, but you know Rhapsody went to having a streaming service, and you know Apple bought Beats Music, um, Microsoft turned Zune into Xbox Music, and then into Groove. You know, everybody was trying to chase the same tale and uh spotify i think just did it better um and the fact that it was a and like you said a standard and not just a platform i think is the reason why they've done so much better than everybody else because it didn't matter who you were you could be samsung or microsoft or sonos and you could have spotify built into your whatever you know, I without that, I don't know if they'd be where they are today. I think that that whole collaborative nature versus you know Apple's very very closed nature. This is going to be an Apple product. <laughs> it's it's way harder to succeed on that when you only have fifteen percent of the market. So yeah, and Spotify theoretically has a hundred percent of the market because uh, they will literally run. Anywhere. Well, that is our show. Uh, Thank you to those of you who joined us live. I saw a number of people uh, watching live on all of the platforms. We always appreciate our live viewers. Um, In fact, there might be a comment on Facebook. I don't know. Um, Always hard to keep track of Facebook. Anyway, uh, if you joined us live, thank you. If you didn't, that is okay. You can join us live on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. But if you're not able to join us live, that is okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe will allow you to, to subscribe on all of the platforms, whether it be Apple Music. Nope. What? Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Play, um, Stitcher, or any of the the other tune in radio wherever you want to listen to us we probably will be and if we're not let us know where it is you want to listen to us and we will do our best to get there as well um we definitely want to make it as easy as possible uh for you to join us uh either live or uh through subscriptions so thank you for that and uh, a reminder that subscriptions are free uh, uh so so definitely check us out um lots of content uh, still on the way new events coming up and uh we've got uh anime ey in a couple of months we've got the first tech challenge kickoff at nasa uh, i believe next month all of that coming up soon so uh 
definitely keep track of that and follow us on uh, social media to get updates on those events. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avery. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.